Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined by Kate Byrode with the Connecticut Library Association, also director of the Cragen Memorial Library in Colchester. Good morning to you. Good morning, Aaron. Well, like most other institutions, the coronavirus pandemic has affected how libraries serve the public. How are Connecticut libraries faring these days? Well, we have uh, pretty much all the public libraries have closed to the public at this point. If there are any still open, I'm not aware of it. Um, So that was a really big, hard decision for us to make because we love working with the public. We know that we are a community destination and that we are a lifeline to people who are already feeling isolated. So we did not make this um, decision lightly and um, we did it to protect the safety of our communities. And you continue to serve the public in many ways. Talk about some of the remote resources that are available at Connecticut libraries. First of all, the Connecticut State Library has purchased a a collection of e-materials that's available to every resident of the state of Connecticut. Um, so that includes e-books and e-audio books that can be downloaded um, to a, a device. Um, so that's the that's the very first thing. Um, most libraries in the state additionally have access to a shared collection of e-materials. Uh, the consortium that my library belongs to that includes 29 libraries um, and has other partners, has thousands of titles in, in um, all different formats available. And then some libraries are able to spend additional money on services such as Hoopla and Canopy, which bring even more resources. And then over and above sort of the ebook and e-audiobook content, um, there's a lot of streaming um, services, uh, something called IndieFlix, um, another thing called The Great Courses. So if you you know, are craving sort of intellectual stimulation, you can uh, stream uh, college courses uh, that, are, that are great. And there's a, there's a lot else going on. And librarians are um, pointing the way toward a lot of resources that have just been made f- um, free um, to the general public, there's a resource for children's books called Tumble Books that's normally 
a paid subscription that's been made open and available to the public. So if you have kids at home and you're struggling to come up with enough um, picture books to read to them, Tumble Books is a great source. And we, we have to thank the company for providing that um, during this time. Now, it's going to vary from community to community what's available remotely, but generally, where's the, the best place to find that information? On the library's website. Um, every library has uh, moved that up front and center on their website. And um, most libraries are issuing uh, temporary library cards remotely. So if you lost your card, uh, simply can't find your card, your card expired, or you simply didn't have a card because you were so busy running around that you couldn't make it into the library to get one, now you can um, either do an electronic process or initiate a process um, to be issued a library card. I know that the Russell Library in Middletown is mailing physical cards to people um, and communicating with them via email um, in that process. My library has an automatic form that generates an online ID that's going to be valid through the end of June. And that, that um, hopefully this period doesn't last any longer than that. But if it does, we'll all be able to extend those. So there's really no excuse. Um, you can get that process started at 2 o'clock um, in the morning if you happen to be awake. Uh, so it's we're, we are doing this across the state. Um, most libraries are, are making it possible to access these resources um, as easily as possible. Now, with the libraries shut down around the state, what are some of the most uh, unusual or interesting questions you've fielded from patrons? It's not unusual. The most typical question is, are you open or when will you reopen, of course? Um, the unusual questions, uh, we've actually, I've heard from several colleagues that they've gotten calls from people who were not aware of the coronavirus um, situation. And uh, we would almost wonder if that was a prank call, but it, in each case, it seemed like the person was unaware of the situation. Um, so that was kind of startling um, for many of us to, to discover. Um, and then people are wondering if there are other things that they can do for the library or that the library can do for them during this time that, um, you know, oh, but I just want to come in for 10 minutes. I'll be right out. And unfortunately, we're not able to operate that way. Um, so a lot of a lot of anxiety around access to the library. I haven't heard anything really um, striking besides that. Now, there have been some people who, who've reached out wanting to, you know, set up a, a, a book exchange on the, the front steps and things like that. But those also come with, you know, concerns about health and gatherings of larger people. Yes, um, especially in a smaller town like the one I serve, Colchester. Uh, it's a very neighborly town, and uh, if one person is, uh, you know, browsing through the little free um, books that are out. Um, sure enough, another one will probably come along and they'll fall into talking and then there'll be four more and pretty soon you have a party. Um, so, and, and it's very understandable at this time that people want to see each other and make contact. So we're trying to uh, not have uh, sort of an attractive 
destination, even though that's normally exactly what we're trying to do. So it's it's kind of opposite for us. So if you want to make donations, you know, box them up, have them waiting. Libraries will be happy to take them when we're ready to reopen. Um, libraries, some libraries are being creative. They are having curbside pickup. Um, my library is actually making um, deliveries once a week. Uh, when we do the deliveries, we have um, cleaned down everything with disinfecting wipes, and we've allowed the things to sit around in the air for several days before then we, we handle everything with gloves, we bag them up, and we make the delivery. And uh, in my town, um, people can call or email to ask about that. But every library is handling that differently. I know that some libraries are doing that curbside pickup. So they will put a table out and somebody will call and say, I'm here to pick up my things. And um, a staff member will put it out on the table. And um, then the person will come and grab their bag and go. Um, so we're really trying to make this a lot like takeout. Um, or delivery in that it we're reducing that opportunity for physical contact, not only between the library staff and the um, library user, but also so that people aren't gathering and sharing the same air in close quarters. So you and Colchester are actually delivering books to library patrons? We are. Uh, we did 40 um, stops last week, and uh, this week I think we're doing another dozen or so. And uh, we're we're intending that as long as it's um, permit you know permissible um, under the restrictions, that's what we're trying to do. We only have we have a limited capacity, but we started with the people who had things because we sh we made the decision to shut down um, very quickly in Colchester. Um, so we had a lot of people who had things waiting for them on our hold shelf, and uh, we knew that they would be looking for them. So we called up people and said, hey, you've got this book waiting. Would you like us to deliver it to you? And most people took us up on it last week. And then a lot of the people last week who said, oh, no, I can wait, um, by the time this week rolled around, said, hey, I really would like that. I'm, I'm running out of things. Um, so we're, we're making these deliveries. Um, and we're fortunate that the scale of our community and our staffing allows us to do that. It's not possible in other communities, um, you know, due to size. Um, but other communities are doing that curbside pickup. And then other communities just um, don't have a practical way of doing that sort of thing. So every community is doing what seems to work best um, for their particular circumstances. It seems to me that that's really going uh, above and beyond. What has been the reception from patrons who've, who've taken you up on this delivery offer? Oh, they've been just delighted. I think, um, I think part of it has been that phone call that we've made is just having that nice conversation, you know, hi, how are you doing? And, you know, that, that chat. Um, and, you know, would you like anything else? Would you like me to look for anything else? Um, would you like me to make some suggestions for you? Um, just that human contact. And that's what, that's what we think is really vital um, at this time of social isolation. I mean, I know my own 70-year-old um, mother and my in-laws are feeling very isolated right now. Um, and we, you know, we're dropping things off on their doorstep and waving. So to be able to pick up the phone and hear a friendly uh, friendly voice at the other end is, I think, a lifeline. And it's not the, the card catalog anymore. H how 
How available are the resources you need to do your job remotely? Um, very available. I, I think the biggest thing is that, like everyone else, we're all learning about three different platforms um, to do various meetings and calls and conferences. Uh, we're, I, I personally am a person who's never really... I. I'm an extrovert and I like to go to meetings and I like to see people. So I've never really done the webinar thing before um, or only occasionally. And now I have a full calendar of webinars that I'm going to be attending. Um, so we have a lot of remote um, tools. We've had to, uh, at my library, we had a few people who had never done anything like that. So we have, you know, given them training and equipped them to be able to uh, do things online, um, or to, you know, to be able to at least, uh, you know, receive things back and forth from home, because that's just not something that they're used to doing. Um, and we've had to be creative about coming up with work that people can do from home. We've got, in some ways, um, this is a great opportunity for us to get a lot of projects done, um, the summer is the busiest time of year and hopefully we will be, um, open in the summer. So I know my children's staff are working hard on, um, programs, um, designing the programs, writing up the, you know, creating the flyers and the press releases. And, um, hopefully that'll mean that when our doors reopen, um, we will be able to focus 100% on the people coming through the door. Um, because we will have done all that background work ahead of time, um, instead of kind of doing it, you know, simultaneously or right up to the moment. Um, so we're working hard on a large variety of tasks. We need to go in and check on our buildings and, uh, get material. So people are going in and picking up work and taking it home. So, um, through this whole time, new materials are being delivered from our vendors to the library. And um, our cataloger at my library is um, picking things up. Um, she can remote into our um, software system and load the records for those items and uh, get them all prepared to go to the public. Um, she wipes everything down and then they are going to be sitting on our shelves uh, waiting for people when we reopen our doors. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Kate Byrode with the Connecticut Library Association, also director of the Cragen Memorial Library in Colchester. So it's it's your job to help people find the best information they're looking for. And it seems there's a lot of misinformation going around, especially on social media, when it comes to COVID-19. So what advice do you have as a librarian helping people find the correct, most accurate information? Well, first of all, start at the best um, possible sources. Um, the uh, state of Connecticut um, here in Connecticut has an excellent COVID-19 page. Uh, most libraries are pointing toward that. Uh, the CDC page uh, on the web is very good. Um, and to really pay attention to the scientists and doctors who are speaking um, at these uh, press conferences that are being held. Um, there's a lot of information out there and you really want to be looking for reputable medical sources. So places like the Mayo Clinic, the CDC, um, or, a or a hospital are the, you know, the go-to places. Um, your local health department and of course, you know, here in Connecticut that um, the governor uh, has, you know, the governor and the entire, um, you know, state 
um, have put out a uh, really comprehensive page. So you want to look to those sources. Um, and, you know, if you hear about a miracle cure, um, you know, if it sounds like a miracle, it's probably snake oil. Um, if you hear um, stories that, uh, you know, seem too good to be true, they probably are. Um, we are in the early days of this. Um, and look for those reputable uh, sources of information um, on a website. You want to look for a .edu or a .gov um, in the website address um, so that you know that you're looking at a uh, reliable and credible source uh, that's not putting out misinformation. With the availability of information on the internet these days, are as many people turning to to libraries as as a, a source and, and looking for direction and, you know, finding reputable sources? It's a lot different than it used to be. Uh, you know, nowadays people can just Google uh, and feel like they found the answer. Uh, what we librarians like to say is, did you find an answer or the answer, the correct answer? Um, so that's a struggle that we have. Um, and we are trying, we are uh, one thing that's been really heartening for me as a parent and as a librarian is that um, my children have uh, grown up in a school system that has um, school library media specialists who really work hard with the kids to teach them about credible sources and reliable information. And um, my my girls um, came, you know, have come out of. Um, school, one still in high school, really uh, knowing how to evaluate news sources. And um, your local librarian is happy to work with you on that. I recently, just you know, not long before this shutdown, um, went to our local senior center and spoke about scams and went through scams and pointed them toward resources and also said, you know, if you receive a call or an email or you know, go to a website and you're wondering if it, you know, and there's something about it, you know, come to us at the library. Um, we can help you figure out whether or not this is a real thing. Um, and we are happy to do that for you. Um, so what I think I would just counsel the public is, you know, look at everything with a grain of salt and don't hesitate to call up your local library and ask them uh, to help you, uh, you know, evaluate whether or not the source is credible. Um, and we have a lot of ways to do that, and we can walk you through it. One of the, the things experts have, have recommended in trying to maintain social connections when we're all kind of cooped up at home is the idea of the, the virtual book club. Uh, is that a good idea in your view? And what might be some of the, the challenges to making that happen? I think it's an excellent idea. The tricky thing with any book club is making sure that everyone has access to the material um, easily. And um, it's not typical that everybody just happens to have a book sitting around um, or can afford to, um, you know, get, uh, get an ebook. Um, so I urge people that if they're trying to put together a book club, that they, uh, you know, look for something that's easily and readily available. Um, and I know that there are libraries, I can't, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I know that there are libraries that are looking to do this. Um, they're looking for things that are in the public domain, um, or things that are readily available that, you know, like 
people are likely to have access to um, for their uh, communities and they're going to offer something or other. A lot of librarians, um, like a lot of teachers, um, and actually quite a few authors of children's books have been uh, sharing things, you know, YouTube or other platforms um, to replicate experiences for children um, at this time. A lot of authors have given blanket permission for their works to be shown online. And um, so I think that the book discussion idea is wonderful for adults, but I also think that it's a wonderful opportunity for families to share the love of reading and um, talking about reading and great content. And there's some wonderful resources for sharing a book as a family. Now, you are past president of the Connecticut Library Association. Uh, Tell us about the group and are you at the Library Association in kind of a holding pattern now, or do you continue to meet and come up with best practices for, for how to serve the public? Um, in some ways, we are in a holding pattern because our annual conference, which was scheduled for the end of April, has had to be um, canceled, and we're very disappointed about that. Um, but we have, a state, like so many other groups, we have a, a statewide um, community um, that's very vibrant on the on the internet, uh, we have listservs, and lots of places to share information with each other. And we're, you know, just like the rest of the country, we are figuring these things out as we go along. And we are sharing best practices with each other. One librarian will hear from another librarian, we are doing X at our library to get through this time. And somebody else says, oh, that's such a smart idea. I could do that too. Um, and some of it is just the plain, you know, social media sharing where one library makes a really good, um, you know, develops a really good graphic and makes a really good post that explains library services and, uh, you know, is inspired to clean up what we've already put out um, or to, you know, uh, enhance it a little bit. Um, so we, we sh- we're a collegial profession. We love to share. We love to borrow. We're um, we're not a jealous profession at all, so we are um, vibrantly sharing resources and materials through this whole situation. I suspect it varies, but how active are, are Connecticut libraries on social media, and is that a good way to reach out? Um, it is a good way to reach out, I think. Um, I I think we've seen our um, my library's um, so engagement with our social media posts has gone through the roof over the last two weeks. Um, I think our community is really looking for um, touchstones and uh, more of them like have liked us than ever before. Um, and I think at this point, pretty much every library in the state has um, at least a Facebook page. And many ha- also have um, Twitter or Instagram, or my library actually has a has um, a Pinterest page with a lot of boards that bring together a lot of reading suggestions. Um, and those can be freely looked at. And as president of the Connecticut Library Association, I've liked um, dozens and dozens of public library um, web pages across the state. And I can tell you that we have a lot of uh, creative library staff out there um, whose game, whose social media game, I really, um, I'm really in awe of, frankly. Um, some of them can just somehow always manage to find the funniest meme 
um, or the funniest little cat video um, <laughs> to post. So even though the doors may be locked, your local library is still hard at work for you. Yes, we are working hard. I know that there might be a perception of, well, what could they be doing? Are they just sitting there reading all day? Well, we never get to sit around reading all day when our doors are open. And now we are working so hard to, um, you know, push push beyond our walls and to really reach out to our community. And, um, and then for the people who are working inside closed buildings, um, they are working really hard on projects in my own building. Um, we're doing a major um, moving of, of books within the adult collection. And we've installed a new video monitor um, for program announcements. And we are, our custodial staff is excellent and they are deep cleaning every single thing in the building right now and working really, really hard. She is Kate Byrode with the Connecticut Library Association, director of the Cragen Memorial Library in Colchester. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. You're very welcome, and we can't wait to welcome everyone back in. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.